0: Abba Yahweh, again, to share your truth, knowledge and wisdom, to be a conduit, that you have blessed me to do this, Father God. The enemy wants me to stop and not do this. He wants me to be separate from you, Father God, but that's not where I belong. I belong here I belong with you, I belong in your word. I belong sharing the truth, Father. This is, this is what I am to do. I am to be about your business, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity. So, I was going to go into yet another extension, or another part of uh series that God has me sharing with you, if you will. Um, but the Holy Spirit's got me doing something new and improved. But don't forget and keep in mind that giving thanks to God and thanking God is praising him. And I've shared that with you. And, Uh, Psalm 118, where David, there are 11 Hebrew words or combination forms that are speaking to giving thanks or worship to God, because that's what it means when we give thanks to God. That means we are worshiping him. And in Psalm 118, David uses, there are, as I said, there are 11, 11 different words in Hebrew, seven primary, which means that, I guess what that means is that 11 are spoken of, but seven are used predominantly and shared mostly. And David uses four of those in Psalm 118. All four are in that psalm and they are differently, but they're all talking about worshiping God and coming to God and worship and giving thanks. But that's what it means to give thanks to God is worshiping him. And we do that in many different ways and there are so many that get this, they get crosswise when it comes to God for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure I understand. Why? But that's because I'm trying to figure it out in my finite mind and we're told very often to stop doing that. So, I don't, it doesn't, uh, it just kind of mesmerized me, but that's because everyone is trying to ascertain for themselves or figure it out with our finite mind, and that doesn't work. It doesn't work because our minds are absolutely finite, and our Heavenly Father is infinite. Remember, the scripture tells us that his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. Everything about God is High and above us, so much more, but in my reading and study this morning during God's watch, which we are still in incidentally, I'm just sharing that with you i've I've come to I've come to be really liking and as he let me slumber, sleep through the other day, but usually he calls me and he wakes me up. And he does that in a number of different ways. This morning, he gave me something that I I saw in taking me into what I started researching and, and digging for and i saw this vision it was it's pretty graphic and in color i love that i love the, <laughs> yeah, i love the fact that my father has given me this he has done so from a very early age that i dream in color and not to be bragging or anything but not everyone can do that and i'm not exactly sure why but it just i don't know if it makes a dream more pronounced I, i'm i'm not sure why but i dream in color and it's i love it <laughs> it's like watching color television um but he showed me something this morning that was um wow it it was it was absolutely profound and it was involving a situation i'm not going to get too detailed in this but there was a situation that was occurring and, um, I was sort of a uh, I was a walk on I came in and and uh I had decided that somehow I didn't see the whole rest of the program what was going on, but that's okay because God took me right to the detail that was involving me and that was going to take place and which has got me going into what I'm going to go with so um I told the other persons that I was gonna come along and help, and they were telling me that that I can't I can't no you can't no, you can't, and I was very insistent and um they were then the reason that they were telling me I couldn't became very apparent that if I did that I would be killed. And then I, and and it it became very apparent that the reason that this was all taking place is because of God. And that um, the other individuals were doing something and, and that wasn't, I think the reason that God displayed it to me the way he did was because it wasn't really mattering the specifics of what they were doing or um, my being in there was, it was just to, to worship God. And I told them that it didn't matter because hallelujah, God be praised. And so the action all took place and then um, when they it came to the climactic ending, as one might say, the ending didn't happen. Because the breath of God intervened. It was an interesting, you'd, you'd almost have to be there. It's uh, a little difficult in that. And God doesn't mind me sharing it with you because he sent that to me, but you get the idea that this is um, this is something, I believe, what he was telling me is that we need to, when the Holy Spirit speaks, you need to pay attention. You need to be insistent. And you do it. And it doesn't matter why. And this takes me, this is because of what he showed me and how he woke me up this morning. Um, it takes me into Mark chapter 13, and I'm going to jump into that, but I'm going to share some other things in regards to the Holy Spirit. Now, we were talking about that Sunday, and uh, I'd like to uh, give a little shout out, of congratulations to um, now Dr. Ben Moss. He's, a, he's one of our, uh, he's one of our elders at the church, and he is um, on the pastoral team, and he is for the college kids and it's really great because he had been working, I knew he had been working through it and I wasn't sure when he was going to uh, present his thesis and and get his doctorate but evidently that happened within this past month because when they introduced him it was a big ta-da sort of thing that he spoke Sunday and they introduced him as Doctor, and was really emphatic about it, so he must have just got it, which is really great but here 's the other thing that I really love and i 'm going to share with you again i 'm going to be very specific about this um, Remember that I call them the theological wizards because they uh many uh many and i I know it sounds like i 'm putting him in that category, but far from it, so many um put themselves in a position as a as the Pharisees did, and many of the theologians that I have encountered in my life, but not all, um, are very much that way. They practice Phariseism. and so that they are very arrogant, and they want to make a point when they speak to you that they're not really speaking to you. They're speaking down at you, They're speaking down, looking down on you, and they refer to themselves as doctor many times and make a point to be very emphatic about that, that they have the knowledge and you do not. Well, remember what we talked about being humble, being bold, being humble? That's why I like, I really enjoy the fact that I am... um, I've shared with you this also, that I do not have a theological degree, but that doesn't make any difference because my credentials come from HSU. And my chancellor, my vice chancellor, and my guidance counselor have all signed off on my credentials. And that would be Heaven Sent University and Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So that's all that matters. I don't have to have that signed document from man or mammon, but it's very cool that they do... But they don't they don't refer to it often. They're very humble about their presence. They're very humble in their their attitude. And when they talk about the word of God and they bring it to they bring it as both an educator, an edifier, a brother, and it's not speaking down to they share the education, but they bring you along. They don't just talk down to you and lecture. They bring you along. And he was speaking Sunday. Thank you, Dr. Ben. Um, and this is what the breath of God came into me this morning and roused me to this thing. And this is what I'm talking about. So in Mark 13, it tells us that when we are taken. And we're brought before chancellors or counselors, and and all those individuals that are going to decide what and and how they're going to treat or uh, what our punishment might be, but and Christ also talks about this persecution. So don't don't get your knickers all twisted up and talk about, oh, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna read that book because it's so doom and gloom. I've shared this with you already. There are some people that claim to be Christians, the label heads and the self-proclaimed Christians, and they really hold on to that and they really wanna make sure, but they're doing it so other people see and they do it so other people are paying attention. I don't find there's much validation, okay? And, and the reason I say that is because they don't, they're picking and choosing what they're going to read in the Bible. And as I've shared with you that I share the way I do and I share what I do because it's truth, period, okay? So what they're doing is they're deciding that that part isn't the truth that they want to hear, so they're not going to read that part of the Bible. They're not going to read those scriptures because they're, it, it's not the truth that they want to hear. They they want to pick their truth. And it's the way they have become very um, culturally aware in their walk. Rather than being spiritually aware, they're very culturally aware. And they they do that because they don't want to have to be responsible. Wow, there it is. So, they don't read Revelation because it's doom and gloom. They don't read certain parts of Matthew because let me tell you, this is this is a, Christ, our Lord, puts it right into perspective here because we are going to be persecuted, and it says right here in my side, my my sidebar footnote, prosecu- persecution is foretold. But here's the thing. That when we are taken for his name's sake and we're taken before, that we are not to worry about anything that we're going to say. And 13th, 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit. So you may have seen in some old films or heard it or read it in a book someplace. And, you know, it's a declaration of somebody before they they grab somebody and take off. Yeah, well, you're not going to be so great because they're going to come and they're going to take you away and you're going to go to prison and you're going to be kicking and screaming. Well, you're not supposed to do that. If you're if you're delivering and sharing for God and you're in his truth, then you don't go off and say, you just quiet. You don't need to worry. You don't need, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. You don't need to do that. And... The Holy Spirit will tell you when it's time to say anything, you rely on that. And that's important because here's, here's the bottom line, period. We are not required, and that goes in any law really, but in particular, when you're doing God's work or being about our Father's business, we are not required to either quantify nor qualify what we say or do in God's name. Now, what might that mean? Well, quantify is, um, actually comes from the Latin, quantificare, as uh, how much? How much of what we are saying is... what we're saying for God and, you know, because, well, let's face it. There are those individuals that do it because they want attention. Christ told us that he shared that when they go out and speak in public and the way they speak and the way they present themselves and their, their audacious behavior in public is because they want to be seen and recognized. The, the Pharisees loved it when they went through the market and Sadducees because they wore their trappings and all they had, their their little doodads that they put all over themselves. And I shared with you when they have this certain holiday and feast time that they add more. They have this little envelope that... Um, uh, I almost said the word and then I forgot because it's a, there's a word for it. And they, they have uh, sections that are supposed to be from the Torah that are in there, specific scriptures. And it's this big folded leather pouch that they tie on the front of their head. And then they also have one on their arm. And so when you see them walking or moving around, they have this on, then you know that they're they're doing something special. In addition to their trappings and their capes and their headdresses and all that, that not only are they being audacious and and really out there because of the way they work, but uh, what they wear, but now they have this on there and there's special attention being drawn. So. But here's the thing, we're neither quantify. we are not required to quantify nor to qualify what we say or do in God's name. Quantificare, how much of what we are saying is there. And then to qualify it comes from also Latin, qualificare. What sort of authority or competence to speak on God's behalf? So we don't have to tell them well, really what it means is what we're saying and why we're saying it and and what authority do we have in order to do that. Well, you don't have to give that reason to anyone. It's not required by law. They might try to intimidate you. This is sort of the workings of the devil. He gets you to believe that what he is telling you is truthful and he does this with great artistry actually he's very subtle in what he does and he also does this with those that claim to be christian remember what i said christian it comes it's the word that means of christ or from christ and if you're a true believer a true christian then it doesn't matter what he may or how he may present what he is if you're praying in the holy spirit and you are a believer then you know that he's a liar It presents itself as that, and you know that it's not carrying truth. And remember, I share this with you all the time. False evidence appearing real. And that's the pseudonym of, or another name for Satan, Lucifer, is fear. He's a liar. And... It's important to realize that you have those individuals, you even have those that are in and walk amongst us today, that they try to intimidate you by telling you it's the law. Well, I remember one of the things, okay. Here it's gonna come out now. Uh, Many years ago when I was younger, um, I was in law enforcement. For a time, and I came to learn that there are individuals that are within and unfortunately it everyone everyone looks to to them and then decide that everyone is that way that wears a badge or, or does what they do and that's not the case, but that's the way people perceive it and those individuals try to get you to believe that the law tells you that you have to do something a specific way that they tell you to do it. Well, you don't. But here's the thing that's important. Don't become confrontational. Don't be a jerk. Don't Don't turn yourself into into a donkey and start getting it because you're just going to get in more trouble. Okay? Just, this is why Christ told us, you walk away. You don't worry about It, it will iron itself out, and this is what just baffles me is that people wanna fight and argue about it. And then they put them in handcuffs and they wrestle them to the ground and do all kinds of silly stuff. And then they're whining and crying about what they did to me. Well, if you had just shut your mouth and you didn't become argumentative and you didn't try to tell them how wrong they were and how right you were, and then you escalated it into a situation that didn't need to be there at all. You go along. And if you indeed were in the right, then it will happen. This is what Christ is teaching. We are not required to either quantify nor qualify if we are about God's business and sharing his truth and his knowledge and his own. We don't have to do that. We are not required to do that. And by what authority? That is by his authority. And we're talking about Paraclet, the Holy Spirit. That is, uh, the Greek call it that, and uh, Latin, or Romanized, as they call it, or change to Latin, the Paracletos. The Holy Spirit. But here's something that's really, I found, very profound. That when the Greek speak to that, They call it Tanuma, the breath of God. I find this very profound because when I had done some study and research and gone back into the Old Testament, and talking about the breath of God, they speak to the Holy Spirit a lot, actually, in the Old Testament. And it speaks to the winds, the winds of change that God brings. And remember that that he brings that and his spirit comes in. And one of the examples that I shared with you, or several examples that I shared with you, is the direction of the winds. And how it changes temperatures. It changes environment. Um, You had uh, the easterly wind that comes from the east. And incidentally, when you say things like easterly and westerly, that means that that's the direction that it's coming from. So if you have an easterly wind, it's coming from the east and heading to the west and vice versa. If you say westerly wind, it's coming from the west heading to the east or you have southerly wind is coming from the south and heading to the north and the northerly winds are coming down. And they all have to do with temperatures and things that God is doing and things are moving. And when the locusts came in, the whole, and when you read that section of the Bible, it talks about how the wind had changed. And there was an easterly wind that blew all day long. And that night, lo and behold, the locusts were there. God carried him on his breath and brought them wherever they were at and he brought them and they came in. And when Pharaoh repented and Moses brought that before God, the wind changed and the westerly wind came and it blew all the locusts out over the ocean and there was not a locust left on the coast of Egypt. You You can find that in the scripture. You find it there. And it speaks that way. God changes the breath of God. And what does it tell us in Acts when they are when the the uh, disciples are told by Christ to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit, and then they were in the upper room, they were praying and worshiping, and then the tongues of flame appeared. Or the tongues of fire appeared above each one of them. But what did they call it? The sound like a mighty rushing wind. The coverings of the windows were blown off. The doors were blown open. The sound of a mighty rushing wind. The breath of God. The numa. I'm getting goosebumps right now because I'm just, um, wow. So that's what we rely on brothers and sisters and what we really need to rely on. Don't rely on what we think we should say or how we should say, just stay silent and pray. Remember, if they're leading you away or they're, you know, got you surrounded and everybody's putting their finger, in it, you don't have to argue back or clamor back or be confrontational. Just be silent. be praying for them and praying for the situation, but give it to God and pray that the Holy Spirit come and guide you. And you can pray silently. You don't, you you don't have to say anything out loud to anyone around you. Not required. But the breath of God. <laughs> wow. I like that. The, the, the rach, racha kodesh, breath of God. That was Hebrew, what they called racha kodesh. And that word rach, rach, is wind, breath, or spirit. Several, depending on how you use it contextually in a phrase, the Hebrew word, but it's talking about the wind, breath, or spirit of God. And they have a phrase, the Rach Elohim, the breath of God, whoa. I I I get excited in <laughs> this one when, when God takes me deeper and, and I pray that this is why I'm taking the classes that I am is to be deeper taping I and mean, he is. And he's sharing things. I mean I'm not as I said, I don't have that a doctorate, but I have what I need. But here's the other thing, the reason you don't go kicking and screaming is and that you're not required to qualify nor quantify, that means that you don't need to get validation from anybody. The only the only validation that you need to concern yourself with is a validation of God Almighty. Our heavenly Father, and that's because we're to be about his business. And I love the different terms that they attach when when studying and reading on particularly the word the, the holy spirit i would like it. they it's um the phrase advocate or counselor or helper and when i'm talking about this it takes place in mark um, you know that they have uh, uh, they have several different terms of course you don't hear it so often anymore these are some old terms but you used to hear it sometimes in court the judge would call the uh, they would call the uh, attorney's counselor counselors. Watch my bench, and then of course the judge would have some stern words to say with it But sometimes you would call them a counselor, um, or another phrase, a term that was used for them, were uh, advocate, one who speaks on behalf of the advocate. And these are terms that are used and translated and used for the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our counselor, or our helper. And this is one that comes and and there are several places. And you know that, that in the Bible and the translations, you know that Jesus spoke predominantly Aramaic. He also spoke Greek and he spoke Latin, he spoke Egyptian, Ethiopian, he spoke any language he needed to or wanted to. He could do that. And when he talks to us about the Holy Spirit, there are two ways that he actually shares that with us. And he tends to use the one that is uh, most Familiar or uh, what's a phrase that y'all understand? User friendly, <laughs> more personal. Um, you have two words. You have the word alos and you have a phrase, hetros. And this is descriptive of, those are both Greek and they're descriptive of the Holy Spirit. But you have one that alos or alos is another or the other, but it's on a personal basis, meaning the one that is with you or walks with you, beside you generally, the one that walks with me. And then you have the other one. Uh, Heteros is the other, and it's kind of not maybe so personal because it's talking about that is with you, but not necessarily walking with you. And I And Jesus gave us that personal because he walks with us and guides us sharing with us and and getting us in the direction we need to go. And I love, man, I just love that God woke me up this morning for that and, and how he did it. He showed me that and, and hallelujah. Holy is God. Hallelujah. Holy is God, which is... Incidentally, what that word means, hallelujah, holy is God. But now we're going to jump over here into Mark 13. This is really important. Um, When Jesus was in and he was teaching and um, he was talking about the Pharisees and trying to change, show us these things and you know, when he was he was demonstrating this and talking to the, uh, speaking to us and telling us that we shouldn't be deceived, uh, because when he had got done, they went out, the disciples were also, they were so keen on the buildings and the stonework and the architecture. Well, of course, you have to understand that he had a couple stonemasons and uh, Nathaniel, I believe, was an architect. Um So they were enthralled by this. But Jesus also explained that the whitewashing of the stones and the appearance of what was outside is not demonstrative on or should be demonstrative of what's on the inside, but be cautious because it's not. And that is contrary to the term that so many use today, what you see is what you get. Well, when it comes to that and the hypocrisy, what you see is not what you get. You you get that when you have these label heads and these self-proclaimed Christians, you might see them doing and being, but they're not what you get in truth. They do a lot of proclamation. Might have a lot of whitewashing, but they're not what they say they are. So be cautious of that. Anyway, Mark 13. And we're going to jump in here. When they were talking and and when Jesus was talking about things, they were kind of confused. And starting in verse 4. Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the signs when all these things shall be filled? Well, they wanted to know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I shared that with you before. It's like this pesky kids on a road trip. Back seat, they're hollering, Mom Dad. So disciples are doing the same thing with Christ. And Jesus answering them said, began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Now, something the Holy Spirit had showed me about that particular verse, and I'm going to share with you because it's in his truth. This is not necessarily like what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And incidentally, what's happened to that? That was so, it's still terrible and still going on, but you don't hear anything about it. So what, now it's not convenient to talk about anymore? We're just supposed to let it go and let it go away? Uh, No. And so because the media isn't sharing it now, it all just disappeared. Well, that's because that's what they wanted to do. But hear this, when you hear or you see about these things where it talks about nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. They're not necessarily talking about border to border in this country, going to war with that. They're also talking about what's going on in many countries and is going on in this country, the derisiveness, the separation, the upheaval nation against nation, against itself. Brothers and sisters, it's going on all over the world but in particular, we see it happening in this nation. You have different national anthems. They want They want all these groups, they want to have their own national anthem. They don't want to, they don't want the, they didn't want the flag of the country to be flown. I mean, for a long time, and I was griping about it. I was talking to anybody that would listen to me when I was uh, in the workforce and I was out there. They had this beautiful brand spanking new American flag that was, uh, that used to fly on the flagpole. And then all the other little store and area, local estate flag and all that stuff was all still up there. But the American flag was flying. And the best, the best thing that I got back from anybody that would finally say anything was that, oh, we don't do it because it was offensive to so many. And uh, my response to that was, are you kidding me? You are kidding, right? That the reason that you took the American flag down, which is representative of the nation that we are in, and that there are other countries that have their flags, and if you desecrate or you disrespect that flag, you get put in prison with no question, and the judge will see you when the judge decides to see you. It may be days, weeks, months, or even years, and you will have nothing to say about it. But yet, because somebody is offended by the flag, but it represents so many things. It represents all the states, it represents the bloodshed that was putting this country together. It's represented of the whitewashing. There's so so much in there, but they were trying to make it something that it wasn't. And they didn't get it because they were doing it out of no real knowledge. And there was a specific flag that they were talking about, but they didn't understand that flag either. So they didn't pay attention to the history of that. So they tried to make it more of something that was not. Goodness gracious, when you do this out of ignorance. But anyway, back to verse eight. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in divers places and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Now, this is Christ Jesus, our Lord, speaking this. So it's not doom and gloom of the book of Revelation that so many choose, they don't want to read that because that's what that, Christ our Lord is telling us that this stuff is going to come. And remember, he also tells us that so it shall be as it was in the days of Noah before the return of the Son of Man. For 120 years, Noah tried to get them to repent and preach. That when he got done working on the ark, that took him 100 or the it took him 120 years to build it. 120 years. When he got done, he didn't go home, go to bed, and eat, and then come to work again. He preached, and he shared. And that while he was building it on the scaffolding, he turned and he preached to the people that were there to make fun of him. They didn't want to hear it. but Christ tells us that that's going to be that way. Further, version nine. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to the councils. And in the synagogue, you shall be beaten and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony against them. Brothers and sisters, I see that happening now. I shared with you before that I saw this panel of these, these guys that got up and and no respect for them do I have at all. Actually, they showed themselves to be quite contrary to the teaching of the word of God. They showed themselves to be what they are, liars and hypocrites. So you have this panel of these five guys that got up there in their suits and all this stuff, and they got up there and representing these different denominations, but they decided that what they had to say was all good and it was all truth. but they were naming names, naming churches and naming specific songs that come straight from the word of God. They speak truth and the spirit of God, the breath of God has shown me that these things are truth and factual. So see, that's what they did. These fellows decided that they were the authority and they were the ones who were gonna speak for God, but with no true authority. And these were those councils. And for, again in verse 9, but take heed to yourselves for they shall deliver you up to councils and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. The good news must be delivered and published to all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak. Neither do you premeditate. Don't think about it. On your way, just silence. And here's the and the example. Christ himself showed us. Uh, and we see this when he was before the regent, and they took him to deliver him up to Pilate, and the Pharisees were actually, oh yeah, Pilate's got him. He's a Roman. He's a Roman regent. We don't like him. We have, tah, tah, and they, spit, you know, they don't like the Romans, but of course they were under subjugation by Rome, and they were going to take him up, and they were all so happy in that, yeah, we're going to deliver him to Pilate, and he's going to crucify him. Well, that didn't work out so well. Why is that? Because Christ remained silent. He didn't kick and scream like they thought he would and they wanted him to, but that didn't happen. He was led to Pilate, stood before Pilate, and he didn't cry out, you know, let me go. I didn't do it. I didn't do what they say I did. I'm just, I'm just Jesus. I'm just a carpenter. I'm just a craftsman. He didn't do any of that. Three times Pilate questioned, three times Pilate went to the Pharisees and announced publicly out them from his platform. Three times he told them, he said, I don't find any fault in this man. There's no reason that I should crucify him. There's nothing in the law that says that he's guilty for crucifixion. And then after the third time he washed his hand, he said, I washed my hands of this situation because if you're going to crucify him and that's what you call for, it's going to be on your hands and not mine because I find no fault in him. Three times, three times, three times. Again, verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the breath of God, the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. Brothers and sisters, and we don't know if it's gone to that extreme to this point, but what's happening? Look around. You have children that are being emancipated from their parents. They're not even of age. They're not even old enough to go to work, but they're being declared by the courts of law who have abandoned truth and abandoned the law, so they don't have to have egg on their face, quote unquote, um, and they emancipate the child. Not even old enough to vote, not even old enough to have a driver's license, but they're emancipated. But what kind of emancipation is that? Because when they do that, then the judge declares that the parents are still required to pay their bills and support them until they're such an age or whatever. I don't know. How do they determine it? So the child doesn't have to live at mom and dad's because the parents are requiring that if they live under their house, they have to follow the rules. They have to be in, they have a uh, a curfew set, if you you might say so. I remember we when we were younger and too young to be out gallivanting around, when the streetlights came on, you better be home. And if you weren't putting the bike away and you weren't coming in the door, into the kitchen or knocking on the front door and you weren't there, when the lights came on in the streets, you better have a good explanation and it better be reasonable. Those rules that we grew up with were to guide us and to, to help us and to, to be there. And believe it or not, kids, your parents are trying to protect you. But now, kids can, don't even have to be at home anymore. But yet, parents are still, they have to pay the bill and pay their rent. I mean, they were doing that when the kids were living at home. But they have to do that now, and the kids can go out and lay around and drink. They don't have to go to work, you know. They don't even have to go to school. So they can just go out and lay around and be lazy, and mom and dad still have to pay for it. Hmm. What kind of emancipation is that? Wow. Further in verse 13, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, that was a long time ago. That was nearly 700 years before Christ. And Christ our Lord is referring to the prophet Daniel who spoke of these things. Standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let him that be in Judea's flee to the mountain. Wow. So this is, Jesus is telling us and explaining to us, read the entire chapter, Mark 13, read the whole thing. Be mindful, watch, Mark 13, very important. And this speaks to a portion of those things that are going to happen, that Christ tells us will happen, but most importantly, not to worry about it. We, can't, we cannot fret these things. Don't fret these things. He is with us. Our Holy Spirit is with us our counselor, our advocate, the breath of God, that he gives me every single day, his breath in my lungs, so shall his name be on my lips. He is my Father, my God, my Creator, my King. He loves me, I love him. Brothers and sisters, Be blessed this day. You're in my prayers from going out and coming in daily.